Welcome, everybody, to Navigating Change, the podcast from Tybal Education. I'm Pete Wright, and I'm here with Howard Tybal, who's actively playing our theme song live on a piano in the lobby of the Mayflower Hotel in Seattle, Washington. It has been a delight. We are here. Uh, we rarely get this opportunity to do such things. Yes, so we do. No, we really, don't. Really delightful. Uh, I'm so excited. And we've got tickling, tickling the ivories over there. We've got two guests now. I know. At Fireside Chat. <laughs> this is really <laughs> fantastic. The legit fire. We, we just don't get this opportunity very often. Uh, and, and so uh, we've got uh, two guests from the same school representing Cal State University San Marcos. We have Katie Rees and Jennifer Williams here. And we're going to be talking about intentionally designing a winning culture but I'm sure much more than that. Welcome to Navigating Change. Thank you. Thank you. So why was it important to bring that conversation about climate to the forefront? Well, we didn't have a positive one. That's for sure. <laughs> okay, there you go. okay so, let's talk more about that. Is that right? You had, yeah, and yeah. that's not unusual. That's pretty typical. Absolutely. What, what so, are the qualities of a, of a non-positive uh, climate? Silos. Silos. At the time, starting Distrust. from the top. Trust. You know, the... The vice presidents were not working with one another. They didn't trust one another. She completely turned that around to where the executive council members started just working together on everything, which then cascaded down where we don't even hesitate about picking up the phone and calling somebody from another division and saying, hey, I'm thinking about changing my process. What do you think about this? Those things you want people to do, that happens the things we campus. idealize yes and that happens and we've had so many times where people come to our campus and say there's something magical about your campus there's this kind of feeling this spirit what is it that's our, sort of some of the secret sauce that well I, and i want to talk about that because it, it you know in, in terms of the practical application of this intentionality around campus climate, the res I imagine that some of the hesitance behind implementing uh, an approach to campus climate is, is the secret sauciness of it, right? How do you practically measure when you are successful at changing campus climate? What does that look like? Measurement in the end is about visibility, right? So how do you, see, when things become visible, you did things, you said, here's what we're driving towards, and then something becomes visible. So what's an example of visibility that you probably would be able to back into even describing the measurement that got us there? Like, if I was walking around campus, what would they say, what, what would people reflect on? The, the culture here is shifting, the mood shifting here. You know, I think a few pieces would be that our culture is so unique and intentional in the programs that we do. Two of those would be our university onboarding program. It's unlike anything that you have seen anywhere else because it aligns not only back to that strategic priority of climate, but it aligns to our expectation of leaders. And it is weaved in and throughout the entire onboarding booklet. And it has a buddy system where it is completely cultural. It is not orientation. It is 100%. We are onboarding you so that you are successful, so that you have someone to help champion your ideas and help you have a really solid first year experience. You have a when partner. Yes. yes. So when someone is hired, for example, I'm a buddy to a few folks, and 
I go to lunch or coffee with that person once a month and I'm bouncing ideas off them. It's not about their functional tasks. It's much more around how to navigate our culture. You want to get things done, who do you call? You want to take on a controversial topic, here's some conversations you might want to have first. Uh, here's some ways to not step in it um, as you're trying to do things. So I'm kind of, I'm their culture buddy and we work together all year long in tandem with the hiring manager. Often so, so you have that conversation. People, how many people are playing that buddy role at any given time? Well, let's see, we've been doing this almost, it's three and a half years mm -hmm. that the program has been going and it's all new managers that are hired. So we piloted it just to the management level and then it's kind of been growing. But how many have gone through now? Probably 70. 70. 70, so 70, 70 new wow. hires plus each one of them has a buddy. It's so powerful. And some, of it course, is, yeah. I mean, a buddy, I've been a buddy to multiple people, sure. so you might not have 140 participants, yeah, right. but you can just feel how strong that would be in an organization that puts its arms around a new hire. And talk about, sure you know, we talk successful. about retention for students. Yes. This is like retention for employees. Which is huge. That's, That's exactly what I was going to ask. How do you, what is your feedback now that you were on this three and a half years? Uh, what's feedback from those who have who have graduated from the buddy program? Well, it's interesting because we have heard that the employees who haven't had an opportunity to go through it, they want to be offboarded so that they can then be onboarded. I think it's because they like the swag bag. Because part of it is oh. you get this booklet and then you get the swag bag, which has the campus pennant and a coffee mug and a little plaque with a you know welcome from the president and a card signed by your coworkers. Yeah, we undervalue the swag bag. But even the swag is very strategic yes. because we have things that are so important to our culture where recycling is critical for us. The sustainable mug and then athletics. We just received NCAA, so we have a athletics bag and a pennant we, and different yeah, pieces. Playing cards. We made playing cards with the face of each um, the president and each of her direct reports, the VP. So when you're a new person and you happen to see someone in the hallway, you know that's like the vice president of student affairs. That's awesome. That's brilliant. And these okay. came out of lessons learned for us. We yes. actually heard that some of our employees were struggling to differentiate between two of our executive council members. So to help them, we took all that feedback and that's how we then made these so trading let's cards. Let's talk about lessons learned, which really like post-mortems. So do you do them very intentionally? How do you do, how do, you do this? Because I think this is something we don't do a good enough job of, of, of saying that what we learn that we could do differently. So I think part of it is the nature of the role that the two of us have held over the years is we started working together. And when we first were working together, I, Katie hired me, she was my first boss, and we used to hold focus groups. So we became the people that people shared information with. And so it just happened naturally that by us taking action on things that people cared about, even if they were little of you know, confusing different people or doing something with survey data, people knew we would help get those different pieces done. So over the years, it's morphed into something larger, I think. Absolutely. And we're definitely both known for being able to speak truth to power as well. And so being able to 
translate what's happening at the staff level and take that directly to our bosses who luckily listen to us and saying, you know, this is what's going on. We need to do such and such. We need to change this or we need to put out communication because folks are struggling with this or that. We're lucky that we not only hear it, but then that our bosses are listening to you us. You see, what's so fascinating for me about this is that I'm working with an institution right now where that kind of openness is not present. And it's not present because there is a degree of distrust across the campus. How, do, how would you recommend to someone listening who's saying, you know what, that sounds great, but it sounds like they already had a good foundation. But how do you make the transition if you do have a untrusting culture to a, to a culture to start embracing these ideas? So one, again, it goes back to starting at the top. Our president actually holds open forums and she does it in segmented groups. She holds an open forum with staff, she holds an open forum with faculty, and she sits and she listens and she receives the feedback. Her caring so much about it and then following up on those pieces is critical. Yes, because she's not showing up, she's not rehearsed. She actually knows her information. She has studied and knows everything about the budget or employees' situation so that when they ask her something, she's not looking to someone else to answer it. She knows, she cares. If she doesn't know, she will follow up and get that answer Great. back So how long has she been president? 12 13? years, almost, yeah, yeah, 13 now. My gosh, wow. time flies. And yes. she does something else that's, um, it is a signature program, similar to our onboarding program. It is our Campus Connect program. And we talked about silos a bit earlier. This breaks down the silos. When she came to our campus, she actually had this program developed in, with the intent of breaking down these silos because we found that people who work together and they gain an understanding for what others do, then they are able to work together better and have empathy for one another. So we have this program where 30 participants go through it every year. It is across departments, divisions, classifications. They go through nine months, one Friday a month, and they learn about the different departments. They learn about each other, and it has been a signature program. We How many years now? This is, we just did applications for the 12th year of the program, and we still triple See, applications. I'm gonna tell you what some people are listening and thinking. They are so lucky they have a president like that. Yes, we are. Absolutely. What if you don't? You see, because this is, it's more the case that that kind of leadership is unique. So how do you create this in the absence of that tone at the top? You know, I believe in if you build it, they will come. We didn't always have that. Remember, I've been there 23 years. So for us, it was we are going to be doing that whether or not the campus is doing it. Even if we start small in our own division, even if there's divisiveness out there, start with your own area and it can spread. I mean, at the worst comes to worst. So it doesn't take off, but you've done something to improve things for your area, your situation, and then you can go elsewhere and take those skill sets. It's a really important concept because people sometimes are resigned to even making that effort. And, and my guess is 
your president has accelerated mm -hmm. something that was already happening. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. So that's an important thing for people to understand is that. Yeah, we do, we do get stuck in it has to start at the top thinking, right? Yes. And in fact, great change clearly can start just about anywhere. I mean, it's, it starts in the middle. It starts yes. at the bottom. But people it's use as an excuse yeah. that yes. their president yeah. is not X, Y, or Z, so therefore I can't make it happen. Right. My president would never support this. I got. I want to. I want to pivot, if I may, Please. Uh, because you know we've. I'm coming from the perspective of a faculty member, uh, and so you you mentioned that uh, the president also holds meetings with faculty. How do you see this? The impact of campus climate, this attention to campus climate on student the world of students, student retention, student success outcomes. That's everything. I mean, for our campus, it's especially important because our mission is to raise the educational attainment of our region, which means that more than half of our graduates are first in their families to receive a college education. In addition, we want to remember that we're educating our region's workforce. I believe about 80% of our graduates stay in our region. So everything that we do is impacting those that are around us who are gonna be our service providers, our community leaders. If you have engaged faculty and engaged employees, they are going to pour that into those students and especially for the student population that we serve they need it they need it the most because college is something that is not easy it's something that's out of reach so our university has so many specialized programs just to ensure that they get to us that they stay with us um, and so you see that in the passion and once again hate to say it but that starts from the top uh, that's something that our president has set forth as our vision. She puts it out in everything that she does and everybody that walks around that campus knows that that's why we're there. That's what makes us unique. That's what makes us passionate. It, we're not an Ivy League school. That's not the business we're in. We know our mission and that's what we're all about. And so having that great culture helps contribute to those students who need the engaged folks. So What's something you're working on now that you're like, as you look forward, you're looking to build next? Like what's next? I think we're still, there's a few things. We're still trying to crack this whole gallop saying that only 33% of the American workforce is engaged. I mean, our, I don't believe our numbers are the same. The surveys that we take, especially in our division, show around 80% employee satisfaction rate. So, with your graduates, with, with your uh, graduates, we're, we're talking with our employees, our employee satisfaction. Got it, got it. And so, I think wanting to defy the Gallup results of only thirty-three percent engaged workforce uh, is going to be a huge thing that we're focusing on. Looking at how the work workforce is supposed to be fifty percent millennials by twenty twenty and seventy-five percent by twenty uh, twenty-five. So how do we crack this thing of this new generation coming in, plus the stats about the engaged workforce? What are we going to do to stay ahead of that curve? We're chasing that and, and researching it and, and trying to find out what it is um, in this more traditional, we're not Google, so you know we're not bringing pets to work and, and having nap pods, so how do we still make our culture fun, engaging, purpose-driven to attract and retain uh, tomorrow's workforce. I know that's one of the things on our minds. 
so we're actively working on our CSUSM culture. Um, and that is a document that we've just drafted because what we found is not everybody had the same vision of what our culture is. Uh, so it's a bit aspirational, but it at least gives us some foundational um, principles so that we can start defining those and what accountability would look like around those and communicating and making an awareness of this is what the culture is, whether it's for people who are already here or new individuals coming in. So, so people walking around have felt this special thing about it, but we haven't specifically stated what it is. So now we've named it the CSUSM culture. We've defined it in a one-page short little document. We're putting it in our employee recognition programs. We're putting it in our management evaluations. Uh, we're working onboarding. in a group, yeah, onboarding program. So we're, we're starting to now name it, put accountability measures in, and so it'll be interesting to see, I think, looking out um, how we've infiltrated the culture. <laughs> well, because with it this. seems like it's never done. So we just completed the great colleges to workforce survey, so we'll be seeing what those results bring us back and what kind of actions we'll be taking next. Because what we do is we take all that feedback we pour through all of it and figure out, okay, what are our themes and trends? Not just what the report that the consultants give us, but then we go through it and really see what are our next steps? What are we hearing that might be a theme that's connected to not just what may be written, but what yeah. we have heard? What's cool about this is I think you're ahead of the curve. It's because, especially how you answered the question about what's next, it's like, we are, we, we're beginning to recognize what's coming. And now everybody's having that conversation, but many don't have a foundation. It sounds like the work you've done to date has provided a foundation so that you can genuinely engage in the next thing. That's right? what our hope is. I, I know that tomorrow's workforce is looking for that purpose-driven <laughs> workplace. And so being able to give them that, that, you know, at least clearly define who it is that we are so that when we attract people, it's people who want to come for that purpose. Be clear from the very beginning in our recruitment yes. materials. It's not just a job. Absolutely. Right. So that, that this right. is what we mm -hmm. do. This is what drives us. If you're here to, you know, try and put out a widget or whatever, that's not what we're all about. We're raising the educational attainment of our region. So that's going to take a whole other kind of skill set, thinking, right. uh, lean budget, different kinds of uh, support programs for those students. If that's what you're passionate about, this is the place for you. It's a wonderful message. It's a great message. Right there. A, I'd like you to be my culture buddy. Oh. And <laughs> we've never had this conversation. I feel yeah. like it's important. That that's out. And I'd like to go work for them. I think this is fantastic. So. Yeah. Uh, We'd love to have uh, you. Is, <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is a great conversation. Thank you so much for joining us and sitting down and, and sharing the story uh, of the work you're doing. Um, where can people go to learn more? Well, if they go to the Cal State San Marcos website under the president's office, I know that some of her initiatives are listed there. Jennifer could probably speak to some of that. You can find all different kinds of things on the president's website and then also the FAS division website. Which is uh, csusm.edu slash qi for quality improvement. So we have our quality improvement program. 
There's a lot of acronyms, and it didn't right. end in QI. I was trying to make that connection. That's why Therefore, I it out. <laughs> we will uh, uh, swipe over to the no show notes, everybody. We've got the, the, just the bullets right there. Just read the bullets. There are links directly to all the resources that Absolutely. you should find uh, that will take you right over to Cal State University San Marcos and all of the great work that Katie Reese and Jennifer Williams are doing there. Addressing the campus climate. The CSUSM culture. <laughs> CSUSM culture. This is fantastic. Uh, Howard, any closing words before we wrap no, it up? I'm, I'm, and I'm excited to see your presentation now. No pressure. No, <laughs> no pressure. You guys got a great story. Yeah. You just need, yeah. I mean, it's just, people are going to want this. People oh, yeah. want this. So you can, so. You can just relax. Timing is perfect. Enjoy yeah. your night. Easy. We hope Nothing. so. Yeah. <laughs> Easy. Easy. Thank you, everybody, for downloading, listening. We surely appreciate your time and attention. Uh, on behalf of Howard Teibel, our fantastic guests, and the uh, the lounge at the Mayflower Hotel, <laughs> uh, I'm Pete Wright, and we'll catch you next time on Navigating Change, the podcast from Teibel Education.